Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, everybody. We are back. Yes, yes. favorite duo. We're refreshed. We've slept. We've got our creative juices back flowing. <laughs> we filled up that tank. And we are here to talk to y'all today about asking for help. Because let me tell you, y'all don't know. Y'all too afraid to ask for help. So we're going to help you ask for help. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. It just hit me that I think that you and I were also afraid to kind of ask for help when we were slowly burning out towards the end. And it was like, it it put a strain almost on our friendship. Because now that we're back, I'm like, oh, I feel so close to you. We're so connected. We connected more during this time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, now I actually think it's much easier for me to say, hey, I need this. I need those extra five minutes. I need da-da-da-da-da without feeling like, oh, my God, she's going to think I'm lazy. She's going to think I'm this. Yeah, no, I really feel like the time that we, you know, took away from the podcast really helped to build on our friendship on a foundational level because we were operating, well, we were burnt out just work-wise, right? Like you had your own stuff, Mm -hmm. I had my stuff, and then it was like, we just got to make it to the end of the year. We were crawling. We were crawling to that last episode. (laughs) So it was kind of like, okay, like we just got to make it, and I think that in using whatever little bit of energy we had left for the podcast like the friendship took a toll and got put all the way on the back burner and I think that now that we've had a opportunity to build on it I feel like that's really the foundation like even though the podcast is like a great thing like we were focusing on the wrong thing like we needed to focus on us our friendship and then have that strong enough to then build up on the podcast so I think that's what the break did like helped us strengthen that foundation um, and then also, I think, like, overall, we just needed a break. Like, oh God, podcasting yeah, is man. a lot of work. Like, shout out to all of y'all that do it and do it consistently. Like, yep. it's legit a job. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can't wait to start getting paid for this job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, keep putting, putting it out, out there. there. Manifesting yeah. it. So, to our loyal listeners, um, you all know that we usually do check-ins about how we're feeling. But Crystal and I decided to change it up because, especially me hearing it, I'm just like, yo, we don't know. We're always tired. We're always this, right? Like, we wanted it to be a little more specific, a little more personal. So, now that we're back and refreshed, we have decided to change it up to still checking in but being a little more specific, which I actually challenge our listeners to do as well, because when you're more specific, you can hone in on exactly what's bothering you. And yeah, it requires more work. I mean, it's us. You just got to put the work. Uh, but what we're going to be talking about when we do our check-ins is what are we holding in? So that could be anything. It can be news that we received. It can be feelings that maybe we don't want to air out. And that obviously affects you when you're not talking about it right so what are you holding in what haven't you said throughout the week and this is our time to just release it put it out there in the universe which is basically like therapy it's a cathartic release so crystal yep first 
What are you holding in? Everything. How much time do we have? <laughs> because no, I've been asking myself this question like this past week, like in the morning, like what am I holding in? What am I holding in? And I've been meditating and things like that. So I'm holding in a lot. I'm holding in the news that I will be living in Italy yes. for three months. So I'm going to be an international girl. Ask about <laughs> me. <laughs> Love it. So um, we'll definitely get back to you with updates. I will talk about it um, during the podcast so you all can hear a little bit more about my journey but basically I will be moving to Italy for three months uh, to work in an Italian public school and I will be co-teaching so I'm not going to be the only teacher I'm going to be the assistant um, teaching English to Italian students so that's going to be interesting so we'll see I'm sure it'll be a roller coaster ride of emotions but that's one thing that I'm holding in. And there's a lot of emotions. I'm excited to be back. Mm. I did kind of miss this. I was, you know, I was so happy to go on break. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I'm excited to be back. Um, so, yeah, I'll keep it short because I could go on forever. Um, but those are the things that I'm holding in. Oh, wow. That's a lot. And I do want to know more, right? Like, because obviously, like, there's fear. I'm sorry. I'm going to, like, be that person. There's fears. There's, like you said, excitement. And then there's nerves and anxiety and all these things. And and then that's not even just the whole part of your personal mm-hmm. life. So just fucking imagine. like, and, and just for the listeners, like, we all go through this. We all hold in so much. Um, and sometimes, yeah, whether you journal, whether you're talking to a friend, it's just worth, like, being very specific about it. Um, so for me... I am holding in excitement and nerves. I guess I'll say it. I um I'm moving in with my partner. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's so it's like weird, right? Because it feels so right on one end. And then on the other end, I'm holding in all these like fears and it's just fears and anxiety of is this too fast? Is, you know, what am I doing? I, it doesn't feel like me. But then on the flip side, it just feels right. So I'm just like, well, fuck it. Go with it. And that has been on my mind for a little bit. Um, I've been really, like you, Crystal, I've been really on top of my game of like waking up, journaling, just kind of pointing out what it is I feel shame for, whether that's like work I haven't gotten to or uh, just maybe not going to the gym the way I used to, right? But it's just like I've been holding in so much and I realize like when you speak it out, I don't know, I just I just feel better. So, yes, um, I'm scared and I'm also afraid that you guys are going to judge me like, yo, what is she doing? Uh, Girl, we fighting. OK, <laughs> ain't nobody judging shit. You don't know. So you can't judge. OK, like no one's going to tell me that my girl's moving too fast because I, I would have told you. I would have told you. I'd be like, listen, I'm, you know, like, I'm I'm happy for you, but I'm a little bit concerned. But I had no, girl, I was the one who told y'all to move in before. That's so <laughs> before true. You, we were, like, dating for two, two months. Of you, yes, before the two of you were, like, even thinking about it, you were like, what am I going to do with my lease? And I was like, move in together, duh. Like, wh- like, what, like, what do you, what's the confusion? All right. So, you know what? We're going to get into today's episode. This episode, we felt like it was a great way to just start the year back off. We've Even though we've been off for the month of January, we thought, like, let's talk about something foundational and something that it seems like a lot of people are struggling with. Um, and the reason I say that is because a friend of the podcast, Mozo, 
we had him on um, one of our episodes. His name is Jose Cruz, but you can follow him on Instagram at underscore the real mozo, M-O-Z-O. Um, and he had put in, on his Instagram story a question asking people which was harder for them to say. So the question had four multiple choice answers. A was saying, I'm sorry. B was asking for help. C was saying, I love you. And D was saying, I messed up. Hmm. And an overwhelming majority, because he shared the results, said B. Um, it was like about 95%. When I tell you it was like an overwhelming majority, it was a lot of people said it was B. And I was so shocked because I thought maybe it would be like, I love you, or like I messed up, or hmm. a combination of answers. But it was like Bs across the board. Um, so we wanted to help people understand why it was so hard to ask for help. But asking for help is like a basic, like, right. Like, we should all be able to ask for help. And asking for help, honestly, it's one of those things that can range, right? From, like, the most basic of things to the most, like, complex emotional things. So if you're not able to ask for help, where do you kind of land in that spectrum of the things that you can and can't ask for help for? Um, and why? And how do we get you to a place where you can begin to ask for help? Mm. So before we get into why asking for help is so freaking hard, um, I do want to just give a quick breakdown of the different kinds of help just so people could start recognizing that we, A, actually need help in so many mm -hmm. different areas of our lives. And that's mm -hmm. why it's a right. It's like it's just part of being social, like a social being. And B, like and B, you can actually do these things because there's so many areas where you need it. Right. So. The first one is emotional support. Um, so that's just something as simple as like looking for someone in your life to accept, understand you, calm your fears, be reliable. And we need to ask for these things. So that's one way of helping. Then there's informational support. So it's just like, hey, um, did you read this article? Did you, can you tell me about this? Can you help me out with, I don't know, a science experiment? I don't know, I'm going all the way back to elementary school with that one. <laughs> and then there's uh, tangible support, which is something as simple as, and we don't do this anymore, which is so sad. I guess this is why we don't ask for help, but hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Yeah, like instead of having to go to the store and buy the sugar on your own, just go to your neighbor. Then there's self-esteem and affirmational support. Um, which this occurs specifically when we're engaged in something where we actually feel respected by the other person and or when you're doing like acts of service for other people or you're responsible for other people. Right. So it's it, this now we're going more into the community. Um, so it's recognizing accomplishments and having somebody tell you that um, asking for feedback, things like that, uh, compliments to help but motivate others. That's a form of um, saying, like when you're actually asking for that, that kind of help. Sometimes people give it out, but when you ask for it, um, that's what you're looking for, like something to keep you motivated, right? So think, I think that's more geared towards like your friends. And um, then lastly, there's a belonging kind of help, right? Like the support of belonging to a community, which again, I said we're social beings. So um, you experience this kind of help or this support from the idea that we're all in this together. And as I say that, it makes me laugh because that is not what we're living through. <laughs> no, which makes me so sad and angry at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> this raggedy ass pandemic just brought that shit to the surface. 
Absolutely. And then you think about why we can't ask for help with the most like simple things, even with people that we love and respect and we know love and respect us back. I think it starts from this whole sense of community where I think and I really do believe that we as people, we need that we function and thrive off of that. But if we don't have that, we're not we don't have that feeling, especially like turning the news on social media, like we're constantly inundated with like these really fucked up stories about how people are just selfish and apathetic mm-hmm. um it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that on the most basic level we're not willing to ask for help i think this, there's so many reasons because that's reminding me a little bit about like the societal reasons why we don't ask for help um but this whole notion of belonging i had actually never thought about help from that perspective so that's actually like a new concept for me but I think it makes sense because one of the reasons why I was like why don't people ask like when I was asking myself why don't people ask for help um something that feels personal to me and I think relates a little bit to that belonging piece is I just assume people don't want to help me um there's this feeling of worthlessness um fear that people will reject my pleas for help right because if I ask you and then you say no like ooh, like my heart like I already feel I already feel that like sinking feeling that you get like literally in your chest when someone says no like whether it's asking for help or just any other sort of um rejection because I feel like there needs to be this basic assumption that at least one person will want to help you um Mm. that you have to have an assumption that you're worthy of support and that there's someone out there who is willing to give that support um and I think that a lot of times we don't feel that we're capable of receiving that. And that that feeling in and of itself is very, like, isolating and lonely. So it's like, okay, I don't want to be reminded of that, so I don't want to ask for help. And I know that for me, a lot of times I go through this, like, mental exercise of, like, making an assessment of who is the person who's most likely to help me out if I ask them, Mm. right? And making sure that I'm very particular about what I ask and who I ask to reduce the possibility of rejection because I fear it so much. So it's so interesting you say that because um, in a Psychology Today article I found online, you know, they the main reason that people don't ask for help is fear of rejection. It's so funny because when we talk about it so matter-of-factly, fear of rejection, okay, cool, you can just, you know, override it in your mind. Let me just push through that. Actually, no, it's not that simple. And this is how intrusive emotions and feelings can be to our body and our sense of self. Because in a scan of the brain um, that neuroscientists did of people who were being asked questions of why they don't um, like help, why why don't they ask for help, their experience of fear of rejection lights up similar parts of the brain of when they experience actual physical pain. So it's a painful experience to be rejected. Yeah, that's that heart sinking feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's so interesting how this is a real physical experience. At least your brain registers Mm -hmm. it as that. And then we're just told to get over it and don't feel that way. And it's like, how do you tell someone not to feel pain? Especially if you already have experience with that pain of being rejected. I think another piece of that is like there needs to be a lot of vulnerability like you know like even when you are asking for anything like when we're thinking about rejection like you need to be vulnerable you need to put yourself Mm -hmm. out there right and I think that with vulnerability um like also comes the 
the notion of shame, right? Because you Mm -hmm. just don't know like what's going to be on the other side of it. So I feel like shame and vulnerability also gets in the way of asking for help. For me, sometimes like I, I, I'm thinking about like when I wanted to ask for help when I was seeking support in my job search um, last summer, I just I didn't want to be seen. I was ashamed that I was not capable of at, you know, my big old 31 years old, not able to like be able to succeed at a at an interview on my own that I needed to be like coached Mm. and I needed addition. So I didn't want to be seen. I was ashamed of that. Obviously, you don't want to be perceived as weak. And also, like there was, you know, like I was kind of a little bit embarrassed that I was this old. Mm -hmm. still needing help on these things it's like well why don't you already know these things right like as someone who grew up first gen my mom wasn't helping me with interview prep like she wasn't telling me about any of these things so Mm -hmm. it just also made me embarrassed that I hadn't had the resources growing up to be prepared at this point to succeed in that area of my life I feel all those things but because of the way I grew up I experienced asking for help as a loss of autonomy and that has to do with the household I grew up in. Like, I remember um, very, very early, like, cleaning, uh, doing homework. It was like, that's your responsibility. That's what you're, that's what you have to do. And now if I can't do something, I'm like, I have no control over myself. And then the shame kicks in. And I am embarrassed to ask for help because I start thinking that people are going to view me as incapable or less than or weak. And a big one, and a, a because of the way I grew up is uh, feeling like a burden to others, which Oops, then adds yes. more shame because I hate feeling like someone else is responsible for me because I take responsibility very seriously. So if someone yeah. else has to stop their time, like stop in the middle of their day and take time to help me, I can't live with that. Yo, it like yeah. it irks me. I'm just like, you know, I, I, I'm a- I don't want to be there. <laughs> like, I'm feeling what you're saying right now. Like, if I'm, like, I'm like, oh my God, yes. Like, stop saying it. I'm, feeling it. I'm just like, oh, I'm out. I don't need you. because get, Nope. So, and in my mind, you must really want me if I operate like this on a daily. Like, if you come into my world and, like, you want to be there, like, that's the, which is, this is not, this is not okay, people. I'm just saying this is how I function. Like, it's like, okay, that's the point where I say, oh, okay, they really want to be here. Because if I have all these doors up and they still want to be here, cool. Uh, It's, and then I realize that I don't ask for much but then that, but this is getting into boundaries now because I don't like to ask for much initially. I'm trying to change that. I start to have like a very lopsided relationship because I have no problem helping. And then the other person gets used to not helping. That goes into like what I was thinking about, like this idea of reciprocity, mm. this notion that like if you ask for help, yeah. right? then you're going to need to repay the person in some sort of way. And it's like this very dangerous, like tit for tat mentality. And it, and it leaves you depleted because when you don't give, you don't receive. Mm -hmm. I think that the way that I see it is um, in our minds, I was like, I can't give whatever little I have left. Mm. So instead of thinking like you fill my cup, I fill yours. It's like, I have my half empty cup and I, I got to protect it at all costs. Right. Yep. Um, so like, you don't want to like give whatever little bit you have left, but when you don't give, you also don't receive. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're always like functioning off of this place of being depleted. So it's so funny. We actually give and choose not to receive. And that's so funny. We had a moment yesterday when we were out for dinner 
I was like, you, we are not going to do this anymore. Like, Crystal does not like receiving. And this sounds so funny. Receiving from me. <laughs> but you know what? It's It doesn't, it's so pervasive. It doesn't even register as receiving. Uh, you know, you, but you're just like, uh, 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 I'm not doing this. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm not going to hear it anymore, period. Like, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, no, you gave me the look and I was like, let me shut up. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, like the look that moms give you? I was like, oh, let me be quiet because she gave me the look. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I was like, ooh. And then I felt bad. Um, no, but when you, <laughs> but then when, but the, to, to my point, when you are so used to just giving and not receiving, you're cu- you're like protecting your cup and then the minute someone else gives you like fuck now i have to give away that little bit that i have right. left it's mm-hmm. so draining i would actually argue that when you meet someone who asks for help like no problem they 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 might have been doing the work i'll give them credit right they might have been more like us where and then now they're practicing and so i'm always going to leave room for that because that's a possibility um but people who are super comfortable with it they're either one, they have a secured attachment. Um, they gr- they grew up with parents who loved them. They made them feel good about their actions and capabilities. They tend to walk around the world with a good sense of who they are and how people perceive them. Um, so they're not anxious or avoidant, always waiting to like leave and be rejected or feel like I'm going to leave because I don't even want to be rejected. Um, they have no shame. And asking for help. They have an inherent sense of worth. Absolutely. And because of that, if someone tells them no, they're going to say, okay, on to the next. Right? Because it's not mm-hmm. personal. Yes. That's that's one. So I think that people who are capable have a secure attachment. I also think it's a sign of privilege. Um, and I hate to say this because I don't think asking or receiving help is inherently a privileged thing. But I think it became this with the culture that we live in, especially our capitalistic mm-hmm. culture. If you consider the world that we're living in, uh, asking for help really is taboo. So capitalism is very individualistic. Think of people like Gary Vee. He's like this big marketing person on uh, social media. I can't stand him, not going to lie. Um, because he he always, and listen, he his his theories are, are spot on. But what bothers me about him is that he doesn't want to admit that he's not self-made. He claims he's self-made, but his father had like a winery. That's privilege. That's resources. Like you started from somewhere that people like you and I and a lot of our listeners don't start from. Um, And that has to be said. Right. Um, And it's so funny because people like him, they never admit the help that they actually receive. I agree. It's so funny because on Twitter, there's this like running joke of how I became a self-made millionaire. And it's like, woke up at 5 a.m., like, answered my emails, like, yeah. exercise and eat right. My dad is a millionaire. You know, <laughs> <laughs> went to school, like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and it kind of, like, in the middle, it's like, that's that's actually what helped you out. So Absolutely. I think, like, a lot of people don't perceive it because they're, like, doing all of these other things that they're being intentional and they're, you know, like following these steps of mm-hmm. success that you know other people follow and don't realize like you had a hundred mile head start for most yeah. people and the reality is that in an ideal world people should start from there with good mm-hmm. parents people parents who could sustain you parents who will there's no doubt in your mind you're going to go to college right there's mm-hmm. no fear of do i have the money da, 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 right no like but we don't live in an ideal world and i think this is why these things are coming up um, so like this whole idea of like pick yourself up from your bootstraps, mm-hmm. 
it, it, it creates this ideology where community isn't celebrated, right? So you're not getting help from other people. You have to do everything on your own. And even the people who don't do it on their own claim to have done it by themselves. Yeah. It's like, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the help. Like, what? Uh, we have to because that's part of your, your, your journey. It's a little bit of privilege. And you don't even realize that you have that right that other people may not have in this world. Yes, it's a human right. But at the same time, not everybody has it. So therefore, you're in a, a place of privilege, which leads to my next point is entitlement. Some people really feel entitled to ask for help. And I don't want to make this about race, but because of the world we live in, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know what it is about white people sometimes. They just know how to walk into a room and ask for whatever it is that they need or they want. No problems, no afterthought. And it's like, yo, that's entitlement. That's privilege and entitlement mixed in together. And like, when you have that, in, in a society where we don't, where not everybody gets it, you can't deny that. And like, so when I meet people who are just able to ask for help, no problem, I do have a, a preconceived idea of like, oh, where do they come from? What does their family look like? How much money do they have? And I was going to say, sometimes I feel like the way that white people ask for help is not them actually asking for help. Like, let's say like, I need help tying my shoe. I'm be like, Sasha, can you help me tie my shoe? And for them, it's like, why is my shoe untied? It's almost mm. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, not asking for help, but it's almost like, why are the circumstances around me not ones that suit me? Therefore, mm. things need to be changed in order to suit my needs, as opposed yeah. to saying, like, I like asking for, for help, like explicitly saying, like, this is what I need. Um, and I think that that's also what that that's like the entitlement and the privilege piece, because it's like they don't even realize that that's technically looking for help or asking for assistance. It's just this assumption that the world should function in a way that yeah. suits you best. And I think that's what pisses me off the most, like this, because I, I think like they think that this is what I'm owed mm -hmm. so they assume that everyone has the same but then what kills me and this is getting a little off topic is that when other people ask for the same they're like uh, 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 excuse me why are you asking for this yeah exactly like you it's it's so interesting so i don't know if we can assume that they think that everybody has the same i think that just that's what privilege is you just own it, and that's what entitlement is you just own it and you utilize it because it's there and you don't think twice about it until someone else comes in and does the same thing you do. Then you feel like someone's taking from you. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's yep. been yours all along. I don't want to mm -hmm. share with my I don't want to share my toys. Right. And that just goes to show like the kind of society that we live in. We live in a society that promotes individualism and capitalism. So I feel like for me, individualism Obviously, it's it promotes this notion that we as individual individuals are responsible for our own failures and successes. We don't take into account any outside factors, and we're taught that overcoming our own struggles is a sign of strength and resiliency. Like, I don't think that we, as a people, take account that we are part of a system, and we throw away, like, the value that community puts into our lives and it's like I'm gonna succeed I'm gonna do this um and it plays into capitalism because it's kind of like if I work hard or you know like if I'm 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 grinding and I'm hustling right which kind of feeds into this notion of like competition it's like 
I can't work with my competition because if because if I help you succeed, then there's less for me. We have to do everything ourselves. We have to eliminate the competition. I need to succeed. I need to get all the money. I need to hoard all the money. Mm. Like, as if, you know, like, if I don't have all of this to myself, then I'm going to be poor or not successful or I'm not going to live the best life as opposed to, like, you know, like, we're all going to eat. Invite everybody to the table. There is enough for everybody. And I, I hate that we're like that. And as you mentioned earlier, the pandemic, I think, really showed how individualistic and capitalistic we are because we've been putting profits over people. People were hoarding toilet paper. It's like, do you have diarrhea? Like, do you yeah. have, like, explosive diarrhea? Like, why do you need all this toilet paper? Like, <laughs> why don't you want to leave any for the rest of the community? You know what it is, though? Because you said it. I think uh, capitalism and individual this, this individualist society promotes competition and when you think you're in competition you Mm -hmm. think you won something and you deserve it because you came in first place therefore you don't have to share your winnings and I think that that's exactly why our society doesn't even think about helping other people because that's the entitlement I've earned my place in life I you know like I I deserve this so I don't have to worry about anybody else and that's exactly what's wrong with our society Because there are so many other people that don't even have the opportunity to earn a fucking minimum wage living job. And it's interesting that you're talking about that because I I think that that's like the American culture, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, like I started really questioning, like, why do I feel weak when I ask for help? Like, yo, I feel like the weakest person. I feel like I don't have control over myself. And then I started thinking about like the culture I grew up in, which is my mom's culture and my dad, I mean just go back and listen to For the Fatherless. He was barely there. But my mom was an immigrant from Colombia, uh, super poor, literally had like dirt house. Like she would always tell me like her floors were cleaner than ours and they were made of dirt. And I believe her. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that um, when an immigrant, especially from a third world country, comes to this country, they already understand how Americans work, right? They already understand that this is an individualistic society and you have to figure shit out for yourself. And then coming as an immigrant and knowing how people perceive you, because that shit happens right away. You don't speak English, you get a face. You are in school and you're different, you get bullied. My mom got bullied when she when she just came to this country. She didn't know English. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like people attack you and you know you're different. So I think that, like, they kind of push you to not want to be seen. And you were speaking to that earlier. And there's this shame for actually coming to this country for a better life, right? When you're trying to do, you're trying to live the American dream, their American dream, but essentially what it gets warped into like this bad thing you're doing as if you're stealing. I mean, look, I use the word stealing because, you know, Mexicans are stealing American jobs, which is bullshit because nobody wants to work those jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's this idea that you're taking and you should be ashamed of it because you're already taking so much space. Um, And so therefore they kind of retract as a culture. Like, and I know a lot of immigrant people do this and then they just take whatever they can get. They take mm-hmm. less than. This is why they're working yep. the jobs that people don't want to work. Are you kidding me? Who's going to ask for help when you're in that situation? You don't even want to fucking be seen. So, like, mm-hmm. why would you even think about feeling like you have a right to ask for help? That situation sets you up to feel shame for who you are as a human being. You have no human rights in that sense. So I think that that's why a lot of immigrants don't ask for help. And then us mm-hmm. as first geners, we grow up with these these parents right like 
experiencing the shame of asking for help, experiencing like feeling weak, it, don't do this or don't rattle the system, right? Like, oh no, don't make noise. I don't, I don't want any trouble. No wonder people like you and me grew up, aside from our anxious attachments, <laughs> grew <laughs> up uh, not even understanding how to ask for help because it was never a thing. It was never even taught. I was thinking about it from the first-gen perspective as well. Um, Not so much the immigrant perspective, but I do appreciate you bringing that into the picture. It's also like the people that we would even feel the most comfortable asking for help, like our parents, they don't know shit. Like, like, you don't know what I'm going through, so I can't ask you for help Mm -hmm. because I'm normally the one helping you navigate the world Mm because you don't speak the language. You don't understand the culture. I got to translate letters, you know, from whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like the mail and like when we're going to school and I kind of have to be the middleman. So like, I'm not going to ask you for help. Like my mother doesn't know about college and what I had to do to like get into college and the, the systems that I had to navigate within there. She doesn't know about like investing money or managing the bureaucracy of working, you know, a nine to five Mm -hmm. job, right? Like, or or talking to HR, whatever the case may be. So I feel like it's kind of like the people that I would feel comfortable asking for help are the the least capable of um, helping me. Sometimes, like I like I remember in college, like people would walk around with knowledge, and it, things that I didn't know seemed so basic to them. Mm-hmm. So I was embarrassed. I was like, "Oh, y'all, I'm supposed to know this? I did not know this. I yeah. didn't know that I didn't know this." Um, and a lot of times, I would find myself like, you know, because um, I went to a predominantly white institution, like a college that there was very like few people of color and I would hang out with these white folks and I would just act as if I knew and then I remember like oh yeah bye and then I'm scrambling like oh my god I was supposed to do this and like you know like just having like my own little private panic attack because I was like I didn't know what Mm -hmm. I didn't know oh my god you know it's so funny um you think about like the culture that gets created within immigrants and they're more community based, but because they don't mm-hmm. know shit, that's how like those fucking silly ass rumors get spread. Like, Oh, so-and-so's kid did this. And I heard this and I heard that. And you just <laughs> looking at them like the fuck <laughs> stop being on Facebook. That's what I need you to do. I need you to get the fuck off Facebook. Um, but it makes me think about my first actual job where I was getting paid a salary and it was what? $38,000 a year. I remember going into that job and being told to do certain things and experiencing that embarrassment that you're talking about, yo, Google was my best fucking friend. To the to the point where like now that I'm more seasoned and like I, I've, I'm very comfortable with the way I work, I remember uh, like when people come to me and ask me how to do things, I'm judging you. And I'm not saying it's right, but like I'll judge your ass. Like, yo, go figure that shit out by yourself. Aren't we all American? Like that's how I feel sometimes. And then like I kind of check myself, but because, you know, I do want to help people. I do want to give resources. But it's just, it's so ingrained in me to just do shit by myself. Yeah. I think it being first gen makes you scrappy to, to a certain degree. Because you, like, you have to be. Like, in order to survive, <laughs> in order to navigate the world. And it's like, you should also be scrappy. But that actually reminds me of a story. Um, I was at Foot Locker, Kids Foot Locker. Because, yes, I buy kids shoes because they're cheaper. And my feet are small. High five for that so, because yes. four and a okay. half in kids right here. Uh, okay, I'm a five. How do you fit into a four and a half? Anyways. You can fit um, into a four and a half. 
<laughs> um, so I was at Foot Locker and I had ordered a pair of shoes in four and a half. They didn't fit me. I didn't know at first if I could even exchange the shoes because I bought them online. So I was like, hey, can I exchange them? I'm like, yeah. So there's a woman and there's a man and they're both working. The man was primarily on the register. So uh, the woman was going to help me and she was like, actually, no, you do it. So um, the guy's trying to help me and he's tapping, tapping, tapping on the computer. She's looking at him like, what's taking so long? And then he's like, do you have a receipt? And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, and I was like looking for my phone. She was like, no, 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 no. You don't need a receipt. Like, you're just wasting time. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can do this without the receipt. And he obviously did not know what he was doing. And she was like, what are you supposed to do next? And he's like, uh... No, that's not what you do next. And she was just kind of like berating him. Like it was clear that he didn't know how to help me. She was she was like, you should know what to do instead of saying like, okay, what's the next step? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so next you do X, Y, and Z. So now I'm standing there. Like these two are going not back and forth arguing, but like he clearly doesn't know what she, what he's doing. She is berating him for not knowing what he's doing. And I'm just like, we're getting nowhere. Like you're mm. assuming that he knows. It's clear that he doesn't know. You're not teaching him what to do. So how do you expect him to learn? And I think like sometimes... um, when asking for help that can make us hesitant like those kind of like real life experiences like if like think about like whenever he's at work now he's always going to be anxious well I'm assuming and I'm maybe projecting but he might be anxious like the next time he doesn't know how to do something to ask for help he's more likely to make mistakes obviously she's not going to support him and then at the end of it she's just like move and then she just did it herself and then even as um, she was doing it herself like she was moving so quickly like he was like looking over her shoulder to I'm assuming to kind of like figure it out but I'm like why are you berating him mm. like this and I my thought was oh my gosh like I hope she doesn't have kids because imagine growing up in a in a family or in a household where that's the case like that's how as a child you learn not to ask for help like I don't trust you like you're not supporting me you're expecting me to know things that I don't know mm-hmm at the end of the day, if you don't teach him, he's never going to learn. Like, these systems are not, I mean, they're not hard. I'm, they're not, I'm sure they're not super difficult, but they're not also that obvious to use. Like, I worked at a GNC. Somebody needs to teach you how to use the system. Hmm. Well, first, I didn't know you worked at GNC. That's interesting. Uh, that's second, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, second, so that reminds me of the whole, like, self-esteem affirmation support, mm-hmm. like, the help. If you teach somebody to do something well or, like, that's them asking you for help to, like, give them the information as well. So, I guess it's both. They're going to feel good about themselves, right? Like, they're going to feel like they can. She just took all fucking motivation to do this job well. So, he's either going to do one of two things. Keep on. Or one of three things, actually. Continue on the way he's going and hope that she doesn't, like, just avoid her. Mm -hmm. Or um, figure that shit out by himself. Or quit. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. I think that this culture promotes and it and it validates figuring shit out by yourself. And those are the only people who actually know how to make it to the next step. If you don't do that, no one else is going to teach you. You're just stuck. And I, I, I hate that mentality because I'm someone who, if I know something, I'm going to tell you everything I know. And I'm going to tell you details and I'm going to be like, mm, like, you do not deserve to struggle like me. And I get it to a certain degree because, again, it goes back to, like, learning to be scrappy. Because I think, like, if you're someone who's always told things, right, then you don't 
you don't develop the critical thinking skills, the critical problem solving, like conflict resolution skills that you'll need to, mm-hmm. to succeed. Cause you're, there's not like in every situation that you're in, like there's not always going to be someone to help you. So to a certain degree, I understand that mentality. You want to make sure that people are able to help themselves. But at the same time, it's kind of like, there's this, um, on LinkedIn, there's this like professional group um, called the, uh, the National Association of Black Accountants. And it's like their mo- their motto is like lift as you climb. Mm. So it's like as you're going up there, like bring people up with you. And I feel like that's the community centeredness that we lose in, in America. Even when you were speaking about immigrants, how they help each other out, that's part of Latinx culture. Like a lot of communities especially Latin, Latinx ones, but I'm sure others as well, it is about community building. It's like we're all going to help each other so that we can all succeed. Like mm-hmm. no one's going to be left behind. And when we get to America, like as generations go on, you lose that a little bit because you, you're in a society that doesn't value that anymore. You know, it's so funny as you were speaking, what came up for me was you can be community-based and help each other, And at the same time, there's such thing as helping too much, right? Because when Mm -hmm. you start enabling people, Mm -hmm. um, you're also hurting them because they're never going to want to learn. They're not going to be motivated to learn, right? So there's a thin, there's a, there's a a nice little line between actually teaching people and helping explain things to them and, and being there for them as a community and giving them that kind of support versus just doing everything for them and then them not having to kind of pick up their part or their role in the community so I just wanted to put that out there because that's also valid because I don't like when people take advantage no of course I agree it's always a fine a fine line to find that balance I also do want to talk a little bit about the individual because I know for me personally um and I know for a lot of other people that I've spoken to like trauma will also affect your ability to ask for help because a lot of times with trauma, you can't rely on the people closest to you for any sort of support. Like, that's what you learn. You know, especially for me, um, especially when you experience things like neglect or abuse, um, you ultimately carry that narrative of, like, I can't trust the people around me into every aspect of your Mm. life so a lot of times people like isolate in order to protect themselves and um they can't connect with people in meaningful ways so then you don't have a community to go to when you're in your time of biggest need right or um you know like I know you mentioned this a little bit earlier we overestimate how much of a burden we are and we have this like skewed perception of the world and ourselves and what asking for help actually means and again, we stop ourselves from, from doing these things. Or, you know, you might've been taught, like, it is weak to ask for help, like figure it out. Like you're supposed to be scrappy. You're supposed to know how to do these things. So then it kind of like, you're like, Oh, well, let me not ask for help. So I do want to bring up that sometimes, like even the way that we're raised, like on an individual level outside of like the societal norms that we live in can also get in the way of us asking for help. Absolutely. And for me, like when you think about how do we ask for help, what trauma does is it completely eliminates the idea or the notion that you have a right to help. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when anyone's thinking about like, all right, like so we're talking about why we don't ask for help. Right. And if you really want to know how do you begin to ask for help? And I know this is going to feel so foreign to certain people, but yo, it is your your human right 
to just ask mm-hmm. for help. We are part of a community. That is the only way you're going to learn. That is the only way you're going to be successful, right? Like, I, I think that this idea that you're just going to be born and know everything you have to know is, is fucking wild. It's it's so, so wrong. And it sucks too, right? Because when you don't feel like you have the right to ask for help, you're more likely to have insecure or avoidant attachments. You're more likely to come from a place where you don't feel like you have the entitlement or the privilege to ask. And yeah, that means, lo and behold, you know, to crystallize a message all the time, that you're going to have to put work into yourself to undo a lot of the shit that you've experienced Mm -hmm. or to just actually learn for the first time what it feels like to ask for help. And that is going to be so fucking uncomfortable because remember those little receptors in the brain that are lighting up? Your body thinks it's going through physical pain. So who wants to endure pain? Right. But like you're going to have to go through that. But that is the first step in recognizing how to ask, actually ask for help. Like it's not going to be fun and pretty. You know, we've mentioned a lot of reasons about why it's hard to ask for help. And that's why I mean, that's why we always say do the work. A lot of times when you start to heal and you start to understand like the core reasons why you don't do something or why you do do something, help working to heal through that will help you overcome the other because I, I I feel like it's it's addressing the root issues um in order to help you kind of get to the next the next step and I would say like with anything that you're doing for the first time start small mm-hmm. and build your way up to something bigger um this is silly but like let's say you're at work like even asking someone to help you set up the conference room you know like helps to kind of like build that trust and that relationship with your coworkers. so next time if you're like man, I need help with this Excel. Mm-hmm. I don't know nothing about Excel, y'all. I'm sorry. But this Excel thing, then you can feel more comfortable, right? Because you ask this person for something that maybe is inconsequential and you can kind of work your way up to things that feel a little bit more difficult to ask. Absolutely. And I also think that if you're just starting off and ask, actually asking for help, learn how to look for help in the right places, Right. Mm-hmm. Don't go to that coworker who you know is gonna be pissed off because she doesn't want to be working there. I'm talking about the locker person. Um, go to a place, <laughs> yeah, where you have that gut feeling where okay, I'm I will be validated, and chances are, kind of like to Crystal's point very early in the episode, that this person is not gonna reject me. Let me start my practice mm-hmm. there, and that's okay. It's not weak. It's not. It's not. You're not gonna go for the the beast right away, right? Like start small. Right. Like I think that when you know someone is willing to do it, that feeling of like being scared and feeling rejected is still going to come up. So you have to gain practice with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And because you're going to have these feelings of like being rejected, even if you're like super comfortable with the person, um, I would say whatever you want to ask for help in, do like a little breakdown of it, right? Like journal that morning, write something down, um, be very clear, concise, and specific about what you're asking for right? I'm asking for you to communicate more with me. Write down what you experienced, the lack of communication with that person. Or, you know, you could write down, uh, hey, I really need you to help me move. And I'm scared you're going to say no. Write everything down so that you're not stuttering in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. And practicing even before so that you start to feel more confident with the words themselves mm-hmm. and you practice saying it out loud. Because sometimes I find this is very helpful for me when things live in my head. And then when I say them out loud, they it feels very different <laughs> when you hear yourself say something as opposed to when it's repeating itself in your head. Um, or also, 
Um, remember that sometimes asking for help earlier on is easier because an issue or concern might be smaller in nature as opposed to waiting mm. for something to blow the fuck up. Mm. And now it's this huge thing. And now asking for help does really feel burdensome because now you're maybe inconveniencing someone as opposed to saying like, okay, like if I ask for help now, when I need it, when things things are small, then it's just you, you're kind of preventing a bigger issue. And I want to make sure that that's that you're doing that as a way to really begin to understand when you need help. I like at what precise points you start to need help. I don't want to shame anyone into thinking like, okay, this problem is too big. So therefore I can't ask for help, but it's more so to say like, let's break down the process. How do you um, prevent yourself from getting to a place where something is so big that these big feelings are attached? Let's try to start off sooner when it's smaller and it seems less scary to ask for help. Absolutely. Because what that does is it creates distance between you and the other person. Mm. Uh, and then you get mad. How come they didn't offer it um, by themselves? Because it's like, because you know, you're not. The, we're not mind readers out here. We'd be more of an advanced. We'd be we'd be more an advanced civil civilization if we could read each other's minds. So to add on to that, I think that um, it's helpful to recognize that you're gonna get caught in almost like the spiral because you're so afraid of the rejection of like mm. over rationalizing why you need the help and. Listen, help is help. We all need it. We need to normalize mm-hmm. this, right? So don't over-rationalize it and don't apologize. No matter how much it, you want to say, I'm sorry, keep those words. Those are the words you keep inside. How about that? <laughs> and it's interesting. I think we've mentioned this before, but instead of apologizing and, and saying, I'm sorry, you should say thank you, right? Okay. Um, a friend of ours was the one who put us onto that. Instead of saying, I'm sorry that I'm inconveniencing you, you could say something like, thank you for taking the time for me. It's so different. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it helps you reframe the narrative, even in your own head, mm-hmm. um, about what you just asked for. Um, and I want to remind you all, like, when someone asks you for help, like, you know how overly like gracious excited or competent you feel when you're able to support someone else like when someone asks you for help a lot of times we do feel like oh like this person trusted me enough like Mm -hmm. I feel competent like I'm someone that they trusted like you feel good providing support to others we're social beings like there is this need for reciprocity so remember that when people ask you for help it feels good to you so that that same feeling that you get they're also gonna get when you ask them for help And another tip uh, is make it personal, not transactional. By the way, I'm going to put the the article where I'm getting these tips from. Um, And it's interesting, right? Because they're they're basically suggesting don't email, don't text, even if it's easier, right? Um, So studies show that face-to-face requests, which I'm not surprised because human Mm. beings are human, are 34 times more successful, right? Mm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? But I also think it's because you humanize the person and then your empathy kicks in and you're like, okay, you know, your sense of humanity opens up and you're like, okay, I really want to help this person. Cause that, that is like our instinct, uh, most people's instincts. Um, so it's, it's not supposed to be this transactional thing. It's a personal thing and you have the right to that. And to Crystal's point, don't feel like you have to give back because then you're creating a space mm-hmm. between you and that person where everything you both do is is transactional get away from that tit for tat mentality 
you also want to think about the long-term consequences of not asking for help. Um, when you're stuck and can't move forward, just think about how much sooner you'll be able to like get to a place of ease, get to a place of competence, get to a place of success. Like, you know, like let's say you've been struggling with this math problem and it's been an hour and then you go online and you're like, let me find a tutor online. And then you get through the math problem in 10 minutes. Think about what would have happened if you would have asked that tutor for help the first time you realized that you couldn't do that problem, you could have saved yourself an hour of time. Yeah. And that's very concrete. When when you ask for help, you feel more competent. You're able to have more success. You reduce your level of anxiety. So just even in the long term, asking for help, building that community can help you achieve success, make you feel more creative, whatever it is that you need to feel sooner so that you feel like you have more of a mastery over your life rather than living in the anxiety living in the negative thought process mm -hmm. of whatever fears it is that you have in not asking for help so always think about the long-term consequences about not asking for help because that'll motivate you when you start to see the future and you're like oh that looks real grim mm -hmm. to be like you know what I'm gonna move past whatever thought process I have in my mind right now no, I like that. That's that's CBT at its most basic level, right? Uh, what's best case scenario? What's worst case scenario? What's likely to happen, right? Um, yes. I really I'm like tell my that therapist tip. that she's doing her job. She really is. <laughs> and lastly, um, I want to talk to the the people out there who are just natural helpers because I think that you know a lot of, of a lot of therapists, a lot of people who come into this field naturally are helpers and. Um, we're eager. We're like little eager beavers to save the world. <laughs> and I know I was that at one point. And I think that it's helpful to know that not everyone is going to take your help. Because we're talking to the people who are ready and at the point in time of their lives where they want to make a change and start asking for help. We can't go into other people's worlds and force help upon them, regardless mm -hmm. of what that is. Because going back to Crystal's point, if they, chances are they do have trauma, which is why they don't want to ask for help. When you force your help on other people, you're almost re-traumatizing them. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to, and then it's going to lead, it almost leads into this like uh, negative conditioning cycle where you realize I'm just not even going to try anymore. And like, we don't want the helpers to become non-helpers in the world. We just want everybody to respect each other's boundaries and start learning how to communicate so that they can meet somewhere in the middle. And I would say for those of you who give often and give a lot and feel depleted, go back to the boundaries episode and know that it's also okay to say no. Like, yes, we've talked about how difficult it can be to ask for help, but when you're someone who always gives, 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 it's also important to be able to say no and be okay with that. But that's another episode. Go back to the boundaries episode and we got you on that one. That was our episode. Thank y'all for still being loyal listeners. I know we yes. took a little break. I know that, you know, we're on a bi-weekly schedule, so you won't hear us next week, but you will hear us the week after that. Um, but thank you, everyone, for being so gracious and providing us a lot of support, especially um, on social media when we announced our break. Uh, we really appreciate you um, for 
caring about us and having love for us. Um, we see you, we appreciate you, and we hope that this year we continue to support you all. So definitely make sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Never Told Us Pod or shoot us an email at Never Told Us Pod at gmail.com. And as always, it's the same thing in 2022. Make sure you come back in two weeks so we can keep telling you what they never told us.